Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. The Egypt that Moses and the children of Israel was in is not the same country that you and I go now as tourists. It might be the same physical land because we see the landmarks or at least we think we do. Alright? But what it stood for which was bondage in the lives of the people of God has never changed. That symbolism or that system of bondage and captivity is still very much with us today. And through prophecy, particularly the prophecies of Daniel, of Jesus, and of John the Beloved, we know that in the last days, the reach of Egypt and this system of bondage will cover almost all of the earth. But God said something about the very last administration or dispensation of Egypt. Is that my water? No, it isn't. Can I have some coffee, please, if you don't mind? The Bible says specifically about the very last administration of Egypt that will reign upon the earth. God says that particular Egypt is going to look like Sodom. The Bible says that Egypt is also what? Sodom. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah. Now the reason why, there are several reasons, I mean, why the Lord said that. But I'm just going to mention one of them and I'm going to move on. Okay, thank you. Yep. Mm, mm, mm. so the reason why it is important for us to know that it is not just Sodom but it is Egypt and Sodom together is because Egypt was very regimented was very orderly and what they transformed into being was the Roman Empire so the Roman Empire carried on the agenda of bringing everybody to subjection Egypt brought the children of God to subjection as a nation at the time. And that authority or that control fell to the Romans. So let us understand that it is not the people that are running the system that you need to focus on. It is still the system. Because that is where we get hung up. There was a time that it was the people of Kemet, which is the people that we call Egyptians today. Ideally, they're supposed to be called the commissions. But nobody calls them that, and it's for various reasons. Maybe on Tuesday, on one of these days, I can get into the reason why the names of certain people have changed in recent times, and the reason why uh, the names of their countries and cities have changed. They did not change accidentally. They did not change because of socialization. A lot of those name change, names changed because the devil was trying to hide certain weapons in the world without people knowing it. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you prayed for Palestine? You always pray for Israel. <laughs> and the reason why you don't play, pray for Palestine, I tell you, is because the name Palestine sounds like Philistine. And you've always associated the Philistines with, as the enemies of God and the people of God. And you've always taken the name Israel 
as the people of God, right? And so you don't pray for Palestine. And that is by design. The enemy knew that if he can continue to divide us, he will continue to rule us. When the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, say pray for all men with all manners of prayers. But the enemy is like, oops, if they pray for all men, who am I going to rule? Who am I going to deceive? So I'm going to just make them have their favorites. When the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. But if you know the original name of Palestine, you would rethink your position. Because Jesus prophesied about Palestine. Do you know that the same country that is called Palestine today was originally called Judea? And, the, and Jesus, when he was speaking and sending forth his disciples, he says, and you shall be my witnesses. He says, so go into all the world and preach the gospel, beginning first where? In Jerusalem. And then you proceed from Jerusalem to where? To Judea, before you go to Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. And he said that if he's a secute, you will go and this gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the son of man will appear upon the mount of olives so basically the gospel will sound to the ends of the earth as the north wind that goes to the south and makes its round back to where it started from the gospel is waiting to penetrate judea once again so that the lord jesus might come but satan does not want that to happen it has to get back to judea before the lord comes but now you don't pray for Judea. You don't plan to go witness to anyone in Judea. Because it's like, man, Palestine, they're bad people. They're trying to take land from Egypt. I mean, from Israel. So we're going to have to pray against them. Or not even pray for them at all. Let me tell you something. You see, the dangers of political affiliation is that you cannot affiliate yourself politically at the expense of the kingdom of God. Because it is just a complete failure. It is the truth. Because what we don't know, we just don't know. You see, I am not saying you cannot hold ideals and principles for governance. I am not saying you cannot carry a card for a political party. But whatever it is that you do, you have to do different because you are light. You can't do it just because everybody else is doing it. There are friends that you have that keep sending you emails and keep sending you posts that is always against one man. I have a friend, almost every day he sends me things that speak against Joe Biden. But then I have another friend who is always sending me stuff against Donald Trump. And I'm like, wait a minute, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I told my wife one day, I said, look at how many messages this dude has sent me in one day. About 17 of them on Instagram alone. Some of them came on Facebook. Some of them came. And my wife was like, I don't think he has time to pray anymore. I don't think he has time to pray anymore. And let me tell you something. She's right. Because shortly afterwards, he called me and he told me some things. And I knew that he hasn't been praying. He called me and he was telling me stuff. And I'm like, okay, so when you did that, what did the Lord say? He was like, oh, actually, that's why I'm calling you. Because I want to know what the Lord is saying. I'm like, see, he wasn't praying. Let me tell you something, it is all a plan of the enemy. Let me say this to you folks. No matter what we do, right? You and I did not write the Bible. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 
chapter 3 verse 16 that great is the mystery of godliness it is a mystery in second timothy chapter 3 verse 16 what does the bible say the bible says that all scripture was given by the breath of the almighty god and it is for reproof it is for instruction you know the bible did not say it is for you to feel good that is the reason why the most read book in the bible is the book of psalms and proverbs because it makes people feel good oh the lord is my shepherd i shall not want Oh, the Lord is my shield and my buckler, my exceedingly great reward. Oh, I shall fear no evil. I dwell under the shadow of his wings. And we continue to read those things. You go to Psalms 119. Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible and almost every bit of it just makes you feel good. He says, I have more understanding than the ancient because I keep the statutes of the Lord. And people don't forget to keep the statutes. They just want to know more than the ancient. And that is the, why, that is the reason why the world is getting more foolish. You see what I mean? And so we take it for a feel-good medicine, whereas in fact it is a hammer. The Bible says that the word of God is a hammer. And that is the reason why in Norse mythology, the Vikings believe that the most powerful weapon in the world is the weapon of Thor. It is the hammer. Simply because they say that wherever it goes, it returns, accomplishing that which you send it. Where did they get that from? Isaiah chapter 51, I believe it says that the word of God is like water, rain that falls from the heavens. It never returns back until it has accomplished the purpose for which it was sent. And lo, we know that the word of God is a mighty hammer. The Bible says that the word of the Lord is a hammer. And that hammer is what was depicted as the hammer of Thor. Because when you send it, it demolishes the enemy, but it never returns void. And so, you know that that is what the word of God is. And how does a hammer make you feel good? Ever. It smashes things. It breaks things into pieces. It gets the job done. And so let's not just cherry picking from the word of God the things that make us feel good about the systems that exist. No, we're supposed to speak the word of God to break into pieces every altar that has been erected unto mammon and to bow. We need to know what we're dealing with, folks, because um, we are soldiers, and if you don't even know the battle that we're fighting, let me tell you something. No matter how big your weapons are, if you don't know the enemy that you're supposed to target, you may even know how to use the, the, the tank, but if you can't identify the enemy, what do you do? You just keep driving around the tank until it runs out of gas. So you need to know what your target is. You need to know what you're dealing with. And so today, by the grace of God, I'm going to expose the system to you. And I am thankful to God for my life because it took a while for me to have the maturity and the confidence to be able to expose certain things that the Lord has revealed to me because I used to be a little bit afraid. Like, man, I know the spiritual significance of some of the things that I do and say here. I know principalities and powers and I'm particularly happy having their secret agenda read out and presented like this. And... Yeah, but then at the end of the day, because I know that I am the Lord's battle axe, I should be ready to fell some trees. Only Ryan got that? Let me say this to you. I want, I want to encourage you. Study the word of God. You see, because I think you laugh because I've been talking about principalities and powers. And I'm not afraid. But do you know that God calls them trees? They're like wood. Because those are the idols that he was talking about in Isaiah chapter 45. Wherein he says that the nations continue to bow down to wood. And wooden idols that cannot save. 
He says, but you have been set aside as the stones that have been rejected that I may build Jerusalem. And so as God's battle acts, that is the people that God intends for you to actually go against. The principalities and the powers, not their goons, not their pawns. You never win a game of chess by killing all the pawns on the deck. No, and that's what happens when you're fighting politicians and you're, sh and you're shaming their character or you're poking holes at their, at their policies here and there. What happens to the principalities of Psalms 82 that actually control those people? But something within us knows that the politician is not the problem because we keep using the expression, oh, we don't know what they will say, what they will do. Who is the they? The they and the them refers to the principalities and the powers that are behind them. But every single one of them is operating a principle from the time of Nimrod that is still in operation until today. And I just want to quickly show you so that you will judge with a righteous judgment. Now let's read the book of Genesis chapter 10. And I'm just going to wait for that phone to stop ringing. Genesis chapter 10 verse 10. And this is where it gets very interesting. Um, the book of Genesis is called the book of beginnings. And so a lot of what we know today, in fact, not even a lot, everything we know today started in Genesis. Was recorded in Genesis. From, from electing government officials, to getting married, to paying taxes, to inventing stuff, to killing people, to birthing children, to planting crops, to raising animals, you name it. Even performing operations on people, it's there in Genesis. Everything is there in the book of the beginnings. And that's why it's got so many chapters. It's such a long read. I used to avoid it. But when I realized that I could not afford to avoid, I started to pay attention. Genesis chapter 10 verse 10. The Bible says, and I know some of you have heard this message before, this part of the message, talking about the kingdom of this world. But for me to say a thing to you twice, like Apostle Paul mentioned, it's okay. He says, I don't mind. He says, and for you, it is safe. Hear it again. Verse 10 of Genesis chapter 10 says, and the beginning of his kingdom. Actually, let me, let me read verse 9. Actually, let me read verse 7. The Bible says in verse 6, the sons of Ham were Cush, Mizrahim, Put, or Phut, as it's spelt in some places, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Sheba, Havila, Sarta, Rema, Sartika, and the sons of Rema were Sheba and Dedan. Cush begat Nimrod. And he began to be a mighty one on the earth. The reason why 6, 7, and 8 are important is that you need to know that this was after the flood. Okay? So let me, let me just quickly bust a couple of myths here so that you can follow me closely. There were giants on the earth before the flood. And they were the primary reason why God wiped out the earth. Because I know some of people, so some people have said, well, if it took God only six days to create the heavens and the earth, particularly the earth, six days, right? Why 
Doesn't he just do it again? Why take so many months to flood the earth and let it fall out? When you could have just come and just said, you know what, your people are bad. All this thing is nonsense. It's not working. It's only a six-day job anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and wipe you all out. The reason why God did not do that is this. The Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. And God doesn't take the easy way out. He always takes the faithful way out. Because he is faithful, he is God, and he cannot lie. When Adam and Eve fell, what did God say would be the salvation of humanity? He says the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. And so God already put himself in a situation wherein he couldn't just wipe everything out again. Because he made a commitment to them. And so even though it was more arduous or more difficult, or more, well, not difficult for him, you know, he can just do whatever. But it took longer to flood the earth than it would have to snap the finger like Thanos to reset everything. Do we have Marvel people in the house? You know, you could just snap the finger and everything wipes out. But God is like, I ain't doing that today because I already gave my word. And Satan knew that whenever God gave his word, he would stick by the word. And he was like, okay, so he, he called a meeting of his boys, of his goons. He says, look at what's going on. He says, he wants to crush me with the seed of the woman. Because he says, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. And so he was like, this is what we're going to have to do. We cannot afford to have the seed of the woman survive. So what we're going to do is we will go down there and pollute the seed of the woman by mixing our blood with theirs. Right? What they didn't know was it wasn't going to turn out the way they expected. And that's what usually happens to Satan. I mean, he's lived an eternity of disappointments. So please don't expect him to be nice. He's very frustrated. Because it's always one disappointment after another. And the Bible says that, you know, God, when he made everything, he rested. The next time you saw God come out of his rest, what was he doing? He was confusing the devices of crafty. So the way Satan is busy looking for who to deceive, God is also enjoying himself, having a great time, always just putting a little bit of a spanner in the works of Satan. That's what he does. If you look at God's resume, one of the things written there is the confuser of the devices of Satan. He's the one personally responsible for all of the disappointments that Satan is going through. And so Satan was like, this time around, if we can pollute the seed of the woman, then no one's going to bruise our heads. So he called his goons together and he said to them, this is going to come at a price. He said, but we have no choice. We need to dilute the blood line. But one thing that they didn't know was that even though they looked somewhat like us in the form that they took because the bible says that they abandoned their original estate most of them were made of precious stones when you read the description of satan and some of these other creatures they were not made out of the dust just like we we are but they decided to engineer bodies for themselves the bible says that judgment will come upon those who left their original estate to take a new form that they may sleep with the daughters of men and they will be judged by you and i right so follow me. So they engineered for themselves bodies that looked like ours. But they didn't know that God included a code in the human being that allowed for man to grow to a certain height and stop growing. 
scientifically we now know that to be called tylin and it's um it's in the thyroid gland and somewhere here i think on the left hand side left or right hand side of the human body there is a particular set of instructions biological instructions in the human being that stops people from growing satan didn't know that himself and his boys so when they came to the daughters of men and they were pregnant they were like it's working and when they had children they're like it's working and then the children grew up to be six about six feet tall and they're like it's still working and then they just wouldn't stop growing 15 feet 30 feet some of them actually became three meters high if you don't believe me ask the smithsonian they're sitting on those bones but what is this when you look in the bible you will see that there were giants the bible says that there were giants that walked upon the face of the earth and they began to consume everything they began to destroy everything and these things are written all around us it's written in the word of god it's written everywhere but we don't want to pay attention because the world already told us that that is sci-fi you know people say that exchange is no robbery that is a lie some kind of exchange can be robbery if it is unfair and unjust because the bible says an unjust wage is an abomination before the lord you understand what i mean if i gave you my shoe and i took yours that's not an exchange that is robbery because what's that you see what i mean so yeah i know you love them i love you too but here is the deal satan wants to take the truth from us because the Bible says that what God did was God made us, he, he, he made us failure proof. Right? Let me explain this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. To fall short of the glory means to fail. But in Romans chapter 3 verse 5, what did the Bible say? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then the Bible says that even before the foundations of the world, behold the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. So God already made us failure proof. So we couldn't fail from God's perspective. So now, but here is the deal. When God made man and Satan thought that he could derail the man, he didn't know that God has embedded something inside that man that would make him stand out. So what did Satan do? It mixed with the daughters of men. They started having children. Right? And so, all that stuff, Satan knew that if we know, we will retrace our steps and preserve the righteousness. So what does he do? He gave us fiction so that we can hand him the truth. Where did we get the truth from? The Bible says that all of eternity was written into the hearts of men. Which includes the fact that Jesus already died for us. So something within us already knows the truth. But Satan, in order for him to get us to believe a lie, he will give you fiction and call it the truth. And the way he does that is in reverse order. He will take the truth that you already know and call it fiction. So that you can take it and say, oh, this is fiction, I'm going to put it aside. And the moment you put fiction or the truth aside as fiction, what are you receiving? You're receiving fiction as the truth. So they tell you these things are myths and legends. Oh, that there were no giants on the earth. And that if, if there were giants, where are they today? They're all over the place. You and I could not have built the pyramid. We could not have built the giant causeway. Okay, I know that I'm digressing, but I want you to know 
the truth. The giant causeway that is somewhere between, I think it's Scotland and Ireland, right? Is a pathway in the middle of the sea that was made by a giant because he wanted to cross over to go fight the giant of the island. And so he was like, I don't want to get my feet wet today because that portion of the ocean is actually not that deep, but he didn't want to get his feet wet. So he cut for himself stones that are almost about a quarter of an acre in size. And they were all hexagons. Every one of them was hexagonal, which means it had six sides. Okay? And he cut them and he placed them and he created a footpath for himself to travel from the island that he was to the other island to go and fight the giant. Right? The Bible records that giants fought one another. Because the giants were the children of the fallen angels. Right? And I've told us before that the reason why they fought one another was not just because they were competing for resources, but it was because God wanted to inflict the biggest pain on the fallen ones that ever exists or that ever existed. And I thought before that the biggest pain that anybody can know, the, when I punish you and I say I'm sentencing you to 500 years in prison or I'm sentencing you to death by hanging or by pinching, Whatever it is, it is not as painful as watching your children kill one another. That is the biggest pain of all. And that was the reason why Jesus had to die by the hand of the children of Abraham. The Jews. Because that had to be the highest sacrifice, the biggest pain. It hurt so bad that God could not speak as Jesus was being crucified. Because Jesus was talking to him and he couldn't answer. And so because God is like, that is the biggest pain anybody can know. So the judgment of God upon the sons of disobedience was that their children will kill one another. And so the Bible says that the giants, their children, fought one another into the ground. You have that in scripture. And they made movies about it to tell us that it's fiction and it's called the class of the titans. But there's a reason why I'm telling you all of these things. Because I want you to know who you are and who they are. So that you stop fighting the wrong enemy. Right? And so this giant causeway was perfect hexagons. At the time, we didn't know math or geometry enough to know that you couldn't make a pathway in the ocean with any other shape other than hexagons. It took almost two or three thousand years after that before we knew the geometry as human beings that the most solid shape that you can have to withstand any kind of weathering effect is an hexagon. And that is the reason why the saying now goes that hexagons are bestagons. In case you haven't heard it. Right? And so if you need to make anything and make it so solid that it's almost indestructible, you make it six-sided. That is why when the bee is making his honeycomb, he makes each one of the cells hexagons. Because the material itself is flimsy. But when you make it six-sided, it is solid. You didn't get it? So, let me just tell you. Six is the number of men. And God decided to make us on the sixth day and to make us carbon-based, this facade is carbon-based. 
Carbon is the sixth element in the world. Right? Six electrons, six atoms. And that number six is because if you know how to connect anything that is six-sided, it is almost indestructible. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm telling you, this is not a Sunday, a typical Sunday service, but I'm going to tell you why. It is important for us to know. What I am telling you, Satan knew. Satan knew this thing that I'm telling you before now. Why? Because they've been trying to get out of this place. And what's keeping them from getting out of this place is a shield that God put over the earth that is called the firmament. And the firmament is greeted and it's like the honeycomb. It is all six-sided and it is impregnable. They've thrown everything they have at it and they still can't get out. And so they're like, if we can't get out of here, that means these people will, be, will continue to be impregnable as long as they bind together because they are also six-sided. We have five senses. That's what we're told. It's a lie. We have six senses. There is a sixth sense, which is called the, the palpitation of the heart. There is a frequency of your heart that comes into effect the moment another human being is six feet from you. Don't take my words for it. Just think about your own life and your day-to-day -day experiences. Every time somebody is six feet away from you, there is a signal that triggers in your heart. It is your sixth sense. It is one of the reasons why you're like, I don't like that person. It is one of the reasons why when people have been talking bad about you and they come into the room, you just know something is wrong. It is one of the reasons why you get attracted to people. And it turns out to be the same person you're attracted to is attracted to you too. And it's like, how did we even know that even before we spoke? You called it love at first sight. That's fiction. The reality of it is there is a sixth sense. You see what I mean? So, we are six-sided. Alright? Now, let me, let, me, let me tell you why I'm telling you all of these things. And I'm going to tell you another reason why you need to know these things. So what the devil does is he gets you and I to break the bond that exists between us. Because if the bond that exists between us is not broken, Satan cannot attack any one of us. And that is the reason why he uses all kinds of divide and conquer strategies. To keep you fighting the other man. To keep you fighting in the flesh. Because when you're fighting the other person, you make room for Satan and his boys to come in and infiltrate the camp. And that is the reason why Jesus prayed for the disciples when he saw what was ahead of them. The persecution, the tribulation, and the torment. He says, Father, make them one as we are one. He didn't say, send your angels to watch over them. He's already done that on an individual basis. Individually, angels watch over us, but collectively, it is our bond that keeps us being, being in one accord. Alrighty. So this is what this this is what Satan is doing. He wants to keep us apart. He wants you to choose self-preservation over than opening up so that you can connect with another human being. Six feet apart. Because as long as you're six feet apart, you're vulnerable. You see what I mean? And so now let me let me say that. And now and I'm gonna say this. Let me see. How much time do I have? Okay, because we started early today. We have time. <laughs> Let me quickly say this. I'm going to say it very quickly. So you, you need to watch it again. Alrighty. Because I want you to get it. 
the significance of what I'm about to tell you is because of the fact that there's no point teaching you about the system, the way that it operates, without knowing the way your system, the kingdom system, works. So the, ki- the, system, the kingdom system works on the basis of righteousness. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness. Right? And so righteousness is the identity of the kingdom. When we got saved, we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In heaven, there is a race of people in heaven that we belong to, and it's called the race of righteousness. Right? And that was why John, after the rapture happened, John saw the saints in heaven. He says, I saw men from different nations of different tongues. He said, but all of them were dressed in white robes that had been dipped in the blood of the lamb and they stood before the Lord of glory. And then the four living creatures came along with them to worship the Lord. So you can see that there are different creatures in heaven. You've got the cherubim, the seraphim, the four living creature. And then you got some other beings that, okay, they're like shapeshifters. But we're not going to talk about that because I don't want your mind going into some kind of fiction, real fiction this time around. But of all the creatures and the races in heaven, there is a race that is called the race of righteousness. And that is the race of the people that we belong to. The moment you become born again, you get enlisted in that race, regardless of your color, regardless of your background, regardless of the language that you speak, your identity becomes righteousness. And that is the reason why the devil wants to attack that righteousness by using you to attack the righteousness in the other person. Yes. So this is what the devil does. The mark of the beast. What is it? Six hundred six scores and six. Old King James. It's actually six, six, six. Six hundred and sixty-six. Right? That number 666 is a very important number. Not just because it's the mark of the beast. The Bible talks about the fact that the beast will administer a number. But the number, we are the ones who call it the mark of the beast. But the Bible calls it the number of a man. It is all deception. They keep amplifying what they want you to think. But in reality, the scriptures are there. You can go and look at it yourself. Right? The Bible says, And the mark that shall be given by the beast beast for buying and selling is what? It is the mark. It is the number of a man. And it shall be called 666. Let him who has the understanding, let him know that it is the number of a man. Right? And why is the enemy using the number of a man? Because that is the only way by which you can divide them. That is the only way by which you can penetrate them. Simply because, interesting fact, and you'll find this interesting, I hope. In the year 1890, a man by the name of James Strong led a coalition of Bible scholars and historians and they indexed the Bible, right? The Bible that you have in your hands, okay? Which is the one that the Catholic Church gave to us. It is not the totality of scriptures, but up until now, it's worked for us. But then even within it, it points us to other scriptures so that we can go and do some extra work. But we have become very lazy. We only take that which people give to us, right? But when you read that same Bible, it references other scriptures, that you and I need to go and research and at least know what is in there. 
right? I used to jokingly tell people that every time you see a man, is this a Bible? No, let me use mine. Brother Lawrence reminded us last week. He said, when you're reading the Bible on your phone, people don't know that you're reading the Bible. You may be on social media. But when you read the Bible physically, immediately people can tell, oh, it's one of them. They know not to mess with you. When, you, when, you, when you're somewhere, you may look weird. When, you, when you're standing somewhere and you're reading the Bible, you may look weird, but I guarantee you people, when they're talking to you, they'll be respectful and they will not swear. At least for the ones who haven't totally lost their minds. There's just something reverent about that. So, in a way, the, one of the most notable marks of a Christian is the Bible. Of all the things in the world, how many things are there that I can hold that will make you know that I'm a Christian? If I hold a cross, I could be a crusader. I could be, you know, I could be, um, I could be of the Red Cross. Yeah, I'm making, I may be making a vital statement if I just hold a cross. But when I hold a Bible, it means one thing. I'm a Christian. Right? And that's a mark. It's an identity. It has become an identity. How many books are in this canonized Bible? 66 Bible. What is the number of men? Six. So every time you see a man holding the Bible, what do you see? Six, six, six. Triple six. But, like I always tell you, the most believable lie is the one that is closest to the truth. When you take the number of men, six, 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 and you stop there, right? You are perverting the true identity of man and making it something that it isn't. Because the true identity of man has a fourth dimension. It is not just 666, it is 6666. I'm going to explain that another day, but I want to give you a little bit of homework. When James Strong in 1890 led a coalition of these scholars, these Bible scholars or scholars of the scripture, they took the canonized Bible of 1611 to about 1617 and they started to break it down and they broke it down in the original language of Hebrew and Greek. And without necessarily knowing or at least admitting to know what I am telling you, they indexed all of the words in Hebrew. And the word for righteousness was given the number, you guessed it, 6666. The hand of the Lord has always been with us. Because God made a commitment that he will put signs out there to lead us. So that we know who we truly are. There is a fourth dimension to us. You see, the number of a man is not just 666 in three dimensions. Representing his spirit, his soul, and his body. But let me tell you something. There is a fourth dimension to a kingdom person. And that is the kingdom of the new creation. And that is what the devil wants to take away from you and I. He doesn't want us to identify as the new creation. If he can keep us as 666, that is the number of a man. And that is a falling number. That is a controllable number. That is a number of captivity because we fell from where we were. But God has given us an opportunity to be elevated by taking on the next number 6, which is the number of the new creation. 
Because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, all things have passed away, all things have become new. You have not become an angel, you are still a man, but a new man that has the fourth six, it gives you the complete dimension. And that is the reason why the Bible says in the new Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem is not going to be round like the earth is today. It's going to be a square because we are going to be the pillars and the foundations of it. And we are six-sided but in four dimensions. Now let me just tell you very quickly. I already told you what the four dimensions are, what the four sixes represent. But I want to focus on this one. There is a scripture and I believe it's in the book of Galatians. I believe it's Galatians. If it's not, we'll find it. I think it's important for us to know because it affects, it, it, it explains a lot of what is going on in the world today. Galatians is, uh, I think it's Galatians chapter 6. Corinthians and Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians. Yeah, Galatians is after Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. And chapter 6. Ah, fantastic. Now, this is it. Yeah. I believe it is. It says, um, Oh, yes. Chapter 6, verse 12. Galatians chapter 6, verse 12. Wow. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's read from verse 11. Verse 11 says, See with what large letters I have written this to you by my own hand. And when Paul is saying I use large letters, it's because it's like, I don't want you to miss this. I ask Holy Spirit. I want you to look up here for a moment. And please take a cue from me. We don't know as we are known. The best thing that we can do always is to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift us up. Remember Isaiah chapter 6 verse 16. God will glorify himself in that which is humble. Right? And so humble yourself. So when I read scriptures, even though I've studied history and continue to, even though I'm a student of science and in some degree a scholar of science and technology, I don't assume that I know. I always ask, even if it's the same stuff that I've done every day. So I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, why did Paul? Because every scripture was given by the inspiration of God, the breath of God, which is the Holy Spirit, Ruach Akodesh. So why did you inspire Paul at that particular point in time to stop writing in small letters? And to write in capital letters. He said because of the fact that what he's writing is for the generation that will come. In the end. I said, okay, that doesn't help me very much, sir. Can you explain? He said, if you write, if you write something small, it can only be seen by those who are close. If you want to call the attention of someone who is far away, you make it bold. He said, when Paul wrote it in capital letters, he said he wasn't just writing to the people of Galatia. He was writing to the church of the end times. So this message that I'm about to read is for you and I. Now look at what it says. It says, I've written in both letters. It says, verse 12, it says, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, this will compel you to be circumcised, to be like them, only that they may not suffer persecution for the sake of Christ. Hello. Yes. Apostle Paul was saying, anyone that is trying to make a good showing in the flesh is doing so for two reasons. So that you can be like them and so that they will not be persecuted for the sake of Christ. I'm going to give you two interpretations of that or two applications of that. The interpretation is very straightforward. Persecution avoidance is the key or is the trigger 
through compliance and compromise. Let me say that again. Avoiding persecution is the reason why people compromise. The root of all compromise and compliance with the world is what? Is in a bid to avoid persecution. If you don't look like them, they will cast you out. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 10 for like five minutes and then we're going to wrap up. Because Genesis chapter 10 talked about the system that Satan wants to build. And then in Genesis 11, the immediate next chapter, he showed us how he built the system. The edifice of the system is called the Tower of Babel. And what did they do? The Bible says they had, they had brick instead of stone and asphalt instead of mortar. And what does that mean? And I told us here before, when you have bricks, you can always bake them into the same shape, into the same size, into the same color. You feed all of them into the same mold. But you cannot do the same with stones. Stones are always unique. Every one of those two million or so stones that are on the pyramid of Giza, or Gaza, or Gizzard. <laughs> every one of those stones is unique. Every single one of them. I've, I've followed the work of some people who have actually tried to see if they can find two of them that are the same. None of them is the same. And I remember on Tuesday, about three months ago, I thought that that is the way God builds his church. By using the stones that the builders have rejected, that have been cast out. In Isaiah chapter 45, he says, I am coming for you, the ones that have been cast out to the outskirts of the city. So that I can bring you in and build Jerusalem. We are the ones that have been cast out of the system. So if the system doesn't cast us out, we don't qualify to be in with the Lord. But the process of being cast out is called what? Persecution. And so in the last days, believers who don't want to be persecuted are going to what? They're going to blend in. They're going to do exactly what the world tells them to do. If the people in your neighborhood are voting for Donald Trump, you vote for Donald Trump. And when you get to work and your colleagues at work are voting for Biden, you pretend like you're voting for Biden because you don't want to be the outcast. You don't want to be the odd one out. And when the day of the election comes, you're standing there at the plane of Shinar. You do not know what you do because the plane of Shinar is the point of decision where you're forced to choose between two. That is the reason why the system of the world is mostly re Republican or Democrat. There's always two systems that you choose from. That is the feet. That refers to the feet of the beast that Daniel saw that had ten toes. And the ten toes are a mixture of clay and iron. The barbarian or the Roman. You choose. And that is the reason why it says it's Egypt and it is also Sodom. Because it's a system that makes you choose. Some people will choose Egypt, which is regimented. Some people will choose Sodom, which is immoral. Egypt is conservative. Sodom is liberal. You never thought this message was going to come together this nicely, did you? <laughs> it is the Holy Spirit, praise God. But look at it. Look at where we're at now. We are being forced to choose. And what is the significance of knowing what Paul was saying here and knowing that he's saying it to you? He said because the compromise will culminate in the flesh. A little backstory to the people who received this. The way they would have understood it was this. Oh, wait a minute. We are Gentiles. We weren't circumcised. You are a Jew. You're circumcised. The gospel came first to you. But Jesus said ultimately it will get to us. And now he's given us apostles. Paul, so the gospel has come to us. So, 
Do we need to be circumcised? And the Jews were like, absolutely. You have to be circumcised. You have to look like us. And Peter, who was supposed to be the elder amongst, or an elder amongst the apostles, he knew that circumcision was not required. Because remember the day the Lord told him to go to the house of Cornelius. A flying saucer descended from heaven. The Bible says a plate came out of heaven and upon the plate were several animals. If you see a plate that big, it's not at Olive Garden. This is a flying saucer out of heaven carrying all the unclean animals. And there is a lot of them. Right? And Peter was like, get it behind me, oh Satan. These are unclean animals. And the Lord says, no, no, it ain't Satan. It's me. He said, from this moment onwards, you do not call anything unclean. And Peter struggled in that vision. The Bible says he was in the trance. And he debated with the Lord. He struggled. And the Lord said to him, Peter, arise, kill, and eat. Because nothing is unclean anymore. Peter struggled. And so the Holy Spirit waited for him in the house of Cornelius. Even though the men who came to him came supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Because they wouldn't have known where he stayed. If not that the Holy Spirit had revealed to them. And they found him. They brought him to the house of Cornelius. And guess what Peter was doing? He was there. He was kind of like reluctantly preaching the gospel. Because like these bloody Gentiles, this is not for them. This is for the Jews. But the Holy Spirit got me here. So I'm going to just do it. And the Bible says that while he was yet speaking. How do I know that he was very reluctant? The Holy Spirit could not wait for him anymore. He was being slow. No, no. I tell you this. I saw it in the vision. I kid you not. He was dragging himself. And the, and the Bible says that while Peter was here speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Even the servants that were bought with money started to speak in tongues. And that was the moment Peter recognized that, wait a minute. This is the promise. Because the Holy Spirit is the promise. Jesus is the seed of the woman that bruised the head of the serpent. Making a way for us to inherit the promise. Because what is the promise? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. That God will be with us and we shall call his name Emmanuel. When Jesus was born, he was called Yeshua, the salvation. But then the Holy Spirit is the God that is with us. In the world, I seal until the day of redemption. And Peter was like, they have received the promise that was made to Abraham. And they're not even circumcised. So Peter knew from that moment onwards that circumcision was irrelevant. But because he was afraid of persecution, he started asking people to be circumcised. And when Paul heard about it, Paul was like, dude, what is this about? What is this about? And remember... That he was writing this to the Galatians. Why? Because the Galatians were the ones who suffered the most. And they ended up Peter and the people who were afraid of persecution. Because they started, the Bible says they started by faith. But they were not trying to be made perfect by their works. Was I saved because I'm Republican or Democrat? Or was I saved because I believed in my heart unto righteousness? Was I saved because I took some jab in my body? Or was I saved because of the blood of the Lamb? And in the end, what is going to make me stand before the Most High God? Dipped in the blood of the Lamb. But now all kinds of requirements are being brought to us for us to fall in line and to look a certain way. And the Bible says when you're doing that, you're trying to avoid persecution. Many people took the jab not because they're convinced they should. They took it because their family members were persecuting them. And many people will take the mark of the beast, unfortunately, simply because they are not willing to go for days without food. And let me even tell you something in the visions that I have seen. In none of the visions of the end times that I have seen, have I seen the righteous forsaken of their children begging for bread. In every vision that I have seen, they have had bread, they have had water. 
The word of God is true. David says, I was young, but now I am old. He said, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor begging for bread. When David says, I was young, now I'm old. He had seen the resurrection of Jesus before he said that. Go and look at the timeline. David saw the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the ascension before he said what he said. So basically, he saw all the way to the end. And he was like, at no point did they beg for bread. So you can take your number of the beast and shove it wherever you want to. These people will not be in need. But they want to make you afraid. They want to make you feel like if you don't do it, you're falling out of line and you will be persecuted. And I say to them, bring it on. Because you may be giving out 666, but I already have one more six, which is the new creation in Christ Jesus. Because when we got born again, we got that other sixth dimension, and it is called the breastplate of righteousness. It is the identity of a believer. You can't make me choose because I have already chosen. I want you to go and study Genesis chapter 10. Let me give you a pointer. Listen to the message that I preached. But the kingdom of, of Nimrod, and, the, and I told you, I said the reason why we read 6, 7, and 8 was because of the fact that I wanted you to know that after the flood, the only people that populated the earth after the flood legally and originally were the children of Noah. And it was from one of the children of Noah, Cush, that Nimrod came. They be telling you Nimrod was half man, half God. They keep telling you that Nimrod was a god. Nimrod is here in scripture as born to curse as a man. But what made him a god was because he started to do god-like things. And that god is the giant god. Because the giant god and the gods of all kinds of mythology that you hear about are bloodthirsty animals. They want to destroy the world. They want to destroy humankind. And the Bible says that he became a mighty hunter. But before the Lord, this, it, before men, he was a great man. Before the Lord, he was a mighty hunter. He was doing what the giants were doing simply because he took on the mindset and the belief system of the principalities and powers. And he started to function the same, but himself was a man. And that is the reason why you cannot continue to fight the man because he is just a man. Whatever is making people do evil is what you need to fight. The principalities and powers. Let's spend more time on our knees praying and using the weapons of our warfare than debating politically because those arguments are merely a distraction. The enemy is using those things to weaken us. But what do we do? We pray. Oh yes. Someone says, but brother Moses, if there is a rally that aligns with what I believe, do I not just go the Bible says, I haven't done all to stand. Stand. If you have prayed, if you have studied the word, if you have heard from God, if you have fasted, if you have wrestled with the beast of Ephesus, and you have overcome like Paul did, if you have fought the good fight of faith, in your spare time, you can go to rallies. Thank you for tuning in, and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house That's www.communion.house Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? 
head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.